Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. The Andrew Lawton Show starts right now. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of The Andrew Lawton Show. You're tuned into Canada's most irreverent talk show here on True North. Back again. No, I wasn't cancelled. I wasn't joining the ever-growing list of people who have been taken off the air, fired, dismissed from their jobs uh, during what's been called the racism reckoning of 2020. I was on vacation, and as you can see from the backdrop behind me, it's a little bit different than the one we've typically been using. I, I was moving and, as such, setting up the new studio, and it's not entirely entirely complete yet so uh, bear with us if we have a, a few issues with the lighting or the sound or if the the roof caves in on me it is not intentional and we'll try to get things uh, in the next couple of weeks back up to standard I, I had these grand illusions that you know everything would be fine and I would just sit down and do the show and it would all be done but unfortunately life doesn't always work as seamlessly as that but I, I think we've gotten for the most part uh, a good enough uh, quality here that we can do a show so I appreciate very much uh, all of you who, who checked in on me in the week that I was gone and uh, wondered where I was, which was, uh, I think, zero people. But in any case, thank you. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, really all the things that, well, not all the things that I missed in the last week, because there were way too many. It was it ended up being an inconvenient week to be off. Uh, but going to be talking about, I guess, the one theme that has emerged throughout all of that, and, and the one that I, I just talked about in, in more of a joking sense a moment ago, what's been called the racism reckoning of 2020. So this is like Me Too on steroids, where every time you log into your computer, you find that someone else has been fired, someone else has lost their job, they've been uh, cancelled as it is. And what's so interesting about this is that there isn't actually the behavior tied to these things like there was with the Me Too movement. You know, the, the Me Too movement, which I'd say by and large was a net positive, uh, despite issues that came up uh, later on, and it did actually expose some pretty terrible people. What's happening now is going after people for anything and everything, regardless of whether they've done anything wrong, and in fact, in most cases, when they haven't. And you look at what's happened here. Uh, let's just talk about a couple of examples. For one, uh, Wendy Mesley, who I've never actually met Wendy, uh, if I understand, maybe once or twice, but I, I don't think I've actually met her. And she is, is again, just your garden variety CBC left-leaning host. This is a woman who gets hit more often than not for being unfair to conservatives uh, in her coverage. And she is taken off the air for the alleged uh, crime of using the word that no one is ever supposed to use. And uh, the whole coverage of this has been dripping with innuendo, as a matter of fact. I, I think I am pretty confident I know what word, but I'm not going to say it because no one has actually reported what word. But the thing about it is that Wendy Mesley didn't say it on air. She didn't say it in a derogatory way. It doesn't sound like she attacked anyone. She was having a meeting with her colleagues. And at this meeting, she quoted, as she says, she quoted a reporter. She said, in the context of an editorial discussion about current issues regarding race, I used a word that should never be used. It was not aimed at anyone. I was quoting a journalist we were intending to interview on a panel discussion about coverage of racial inequality. She apologized, said no one like her should ever use it, but now she has been taken off the air. CBC is figuring out what they want to do with her, and all for not even saying anything that was an attack on someone, which means that someone at CBC 
decided that in 2020 we can no longer give people the benefit of the doubt. Journalists in a newsroom environment cannot speak freely about the news they seek to cover. Now, as someone who has worked in newsrooms, this is a big problem here because in newsrooms, you're supposed to be able to sit around and speak in an unfiltered way so that you can understand what the story is. And from there, you can then decide, okay, what can we report? What can we say on air? That's a pretty standard practice. No one that I've seen anywhere has accused Wendy Mesley of racism, which makes this example such a, an interesting test case for what's going on, because everyone knows and everyone should know that she is not guilty of the crime for which she's being punished. But it doesn't matter, because in this era, in 2020, you don't get to say anything without being under the microscope, and that microscope now just has a, an automatic hammer. It's not just where there's a little bit of scrutiny or skepticism. It's judge, jury, and executioner all in one fell swoop. And there's a, a piece at the Daily Beast that has been everyone who's lost their job. They keep a running tally of everyone who they can find from anywhere in the world who's uh, lost their job because of all of this. And, and Wendy Mesley was actually on their list, as well as the uh, CEO of CrossFit, who said that uh, they're not uh, mourning at their office, uh, George Floyd. Uh, you had other people as well that are lesser known because it's not just about the celebrities here. It's about the everyday ordinary people that don't, by the way, have a, a life or a, a bank account to fall back on that are the most hurt by these things. You're getting, I mean, look at just one example here. This uh, professor from Alberta where, and again, this is just so unfortunate that this is happening. She says, biological sex is real. An anthropology professor, and then she finds herself out on her rear end, no job. So this is Katherine Lowry, who is an associate chair of undergrad programs in the Department of Anthropology. Uh, she said what is, belief system held by a lot of people that uh, biological women are women, that biological men are men. And such a thing, which used to be a, a statement of biological fact, is still a, a statement of biological fact, but it's one that gets you fired and gets you canceled and gets the mob in full swing at you, which is also what's been happening to J.K. Rowling. And if you forgive me for going rapid fire through all of these names, this is the big one here. Because J.K. Rowling is your, much like Wendy Mesley, by the way, woman who checks off all the boxes of the left. She's a big believer in the welfare state. She's big on gay rights. She's a feminist. She votes labor. She's outspoken on labor issues. She does all of the things that you're supposed to do as a lefty in the 21st century. And, for, and by and large, that's been fine. Harry Potter has been held up as a model, not just of great fiction and great literature, but as a way of life, as a, as a way for people to have an identity, for, you know, oddballs to feel like they belong. Harry Potter has defined a generation and J.K. Rowling was the one who made that happen. The writer of these books, which became the movies, the spinoffs and all of that. And they're books that I've read as well. And, and they're phenomenal books. And even if they're, they're not your cup of tea, you have to acknowledge what she has created there. And by the way, her personal story is incredible. She talked about this last week, as a matter of fact, surviving domestic abuse. Uh, we know that she was also uh, very much in, in a, I don't know if poverty is the right word, but we know that she was in very dire financial straits. She powered through, she saw her dream, uh, but now she is no longer. The left has no time for people that check off all the boxes but one. 
you have to check off all of the boxes now. And J.K. Rowling doesn't actually. Everyone thought she did, but she only checks off all of them but one. She doesn't go along with the new belief of the left right now, the intersectional belief that you can just decide one day to be a woman and then you're a woman. And that you have to be afforded not just all of the legal rights, but all of the social acceptance of that. And that's what she doesn't believe. Now, this is something called radical feminism. It's a school of thought. When I say radical feminism, I'm not accusing them of being radicals because, in fact, the radical feminists are, are no longer the radicals in this. But a radical feminist, someone who typically believes that uh, porn is wrong, prostitution is wrong, and that uh, someone with a penis could not be a biological woman. You can debate this. You can discuss this. Well, you can't now. That's the problem. You should be able to debate this and you should be able to discuss this. And J.K. Rowling actually has become uh, denigrated and derided for having this fundamental belief. And it goes back several months when a woman in the UK lost her job for saying that uh, biological women are women and only biological women are women. And, and J.K. Rowling stood up for uh, this uh, British public servant. And then she's tweeted a couple of times since then or liked a couple of tweets about articles to do with this. And, and then she's gone through this ringer where everyone says you have to cancel J.K. Rowling. Everyone said you have to burn her books, you have to boycott her and all of this stuff because she's now a, a big, dirty transphobe to them all. And what's fascinating about J.K. Rowling is that she is someone who fundamentally believes in the rights and dignity of everyone, she says. She believes in the rights and dignity for trans people, and she would protect those rights and stand up for their rights and stand up for their right to live their lives. Her point is the feminist point, which is that my experience as a woman, not mine, her experience as a woman is not something that can be shared by someone who hasn't lived through that. And that's, a, again, a point that should be discussed, can be discussed freely, but it is a biological fact what she is saying. And now you look at what has come of this. She had to write this 3,800-word explanatory essay uh, where she talks about her beliefs on this, on sex and gender. You have people all of a sudden wondering, are we still allowed to like the books? Uh, you have people that are saying, hmm, I, I wonder you know, how this is going to be to all the trans people that have bought your books in the past and, and resonated with them. So, so now there is a movement of people that seeks to not just uh, tell her she's wrong, but to destroy her and to start erasing this legacy that she's built, this generation-defining legacy that she created that now is being called into question. And it got so bad, Daniel, well, actually, not just Daniel Radcliffe, all of the, the Harry Potter actors, uh, Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, Rupert Grint, uh, they've all come out because they've now had to, to distance themselves from uh, J.K. Rowling and say that, no, 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 trans women are women. Tra trans, it's it's, it's un, undis indisputable. It's, it's not debatable. Uh, so now Daniel Radcliffe was uh, commenting on this and uh, trying to tell people that, no, 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 you can still like Harry Potter and, and also think that uh, J.K. Rowling's position deprives transgender people of their dignity. He said that in a, a blog post written at the Trevor Project. Now, there's a, a Canadian tie-in to this, and I, I want to share this segment that appeared on CBC. Now, as a general rule, I wasn't spending my vacation watching CBC, and certainly I, I don't watch CBC Kids, but this clip did come across my radar online. Now, this is a, a show that CBC Kids does called Recap, and it is meant to be a news television program 
for children. And if you look at the recap page, it's for children ages six and up. And this is meant to be a recap of real news uh, in the world of real news, fake news, clickbait, and hot takes. And this is meant to unclutter the minds of children and tell them the news. Now, I wasn't watching the news when I was six and I ended up fine, but uh, CBC Kids wants to give kids the real deal. So this is how they reported on the JK Rowling trans flap. Well, I've been following this JK Rowling controversy and it all started with a tweet she made. Actually, it started with this headline, creating a more equal post COVID-19 world for people who menstruate. JK took issue with the word people being used. Maybe she was trying to be funny, but she hinted that the publication should have stuck with using the word women. Some fans pointed out that there are lots of those who menstruate who don't identify as women. And then things got a little messy. Lots of tweets back and forth. And at one point, JK fired back with, my life has been shaped by being female and I don't think it's hateful to say so. It's 2020. Releasing these kind of statements online is not a good look. And hasn't she been accused of transphobic stuff in the past? Um, yeah. Last year, she was criticized for supporting a woman who was fired after saying that trans women weren't real women. Sis, read the room. There are so many conversations right now about equality, justice, and racism. Is it any surprise that this story is blowing up right now? Exactly. It's Pride Month, too. And this week, Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter himself, reacted with an essay advocating for trans lives. I thought he addressed the whole thing really well, and I liked how he expressed his hopes that people don't lose their love for the books themselves or forget the valuable lessons that they learned from them. I have not read the books. I have not seen the movies. Don't come at me. Okay, Maya, get out of here. What? Well, I did watch the movies, and seeing Daniel advocate for what he believes in is so inspiring. And also, I loved how he signed his letter as Dan. Definitely had a big major glow up. Only you would notice such a small detail, Sean. Do we think this will have a long-lasting impact on her career? I think that this will diminish the amount of respect that J.K. Rowling has acquired over the years, but her writing is just so exceptional and renowned that I don't think the hype's ever going to die down. So, okay, <laughs> a lot in that two minutes of nonsense there. So for starters, they call her transphobic. Uh, they call Daniel Radcliffe inspiring for advocating for what he believes in, which I find hilarious. It, it's transphobic when she talks about what she believes in, but when Daniel Radcliffe does, it's an inspiration to us all. Uh, they tell kids that, uh, no, it doesn't matter if you menstruate or not. That's not how you define whether or not you're a woman. Uh, and more importantly, they basically say that there is no debate on this. So if you're a, a six-year-old, and I would hope that you're not immersed in the world of of trans politics at age six. But if you're a six-year-old and you have a, a vague understanding of the issue, because I know they start teaching a lot of these things younger and younger, uh, this is now telling you that there is a, a way to view this and only one way and no discussion. So I'm not one of these people that says, oh, won't somebody please think of the children? You know what I'm talking about. But I am one of these people that thinks you need to have age-appropriate discussions and you need to understand the complexity of the issues that you are bringing to children. And, and I'm sorry, but trans politics, which is what this is, this isn't about trans science, this isn't about trans health, this isn't even about the personal identities of the children in question. This is about trans politics and you can't condense that and try to make it about whether J.K. Rowling is right or wrong in a two-minute clip for six-year-olds. So what CBC 
is doing here, and by the way, this is CBC uh, Kids, which has promoted the drag children in the past, which I didn't even know was a thing until I saw the CBC clip circulating. So they clearly are, are very uh, hell-bent on promoting these gender identity issues to a child audience. But the problem right now is that they are, and I, I hate using the word indoctrinating because it sounds so conspiratorial, but there is an indoctrination here because what CBC Kids is doing is ignoring the fact that there's a debate, ignoring the fact that there's a, a biological science issue here, and mocking a beloved children's and young adults author for saying something and basically telling kids from the age of, of six and up that, oh, no one should talk about this. And the one guy on there says that, oh, you know, no one should be posting anything like this online. So, you know, whether kids grow up to have a, a, an understanding based on what's in a two-minute CBC Kids clip, I don't know. And I, I would certainly hope not that this doesn't have a, a transformative effect on them. But it still does put this agenda forward. Uh, subverting what parents think, subverting what science thinks, uh, subverting uh, what's going on in, in education here. And it, it's just fundamentally at odds with fact. And you can be, by the way, as pro-trans and pro-gender uh, identity as you want to be, will while still recognizing that there are differences between biological women and trans women, between biological men and, and trans men. You can have those discussions. And when you look at the implications of, of accepting that there is no difference, which is what a lot of the radical activists want you to accept, you have to understand the contradictions that are there. And Douglas Murray has talked about this in his latest book, The Madness of Crowds, how the reality is that a lot of the trans rights that are claimed will butt up against gay rights, they'll butt up against women's rights. If you say that a woman has the right to a shelter free of men, for example, a trans man or a trans woman who is a biological male going to that shelter is going to force a conflict of those rights. J.K. Rowling herself said in one of her tweets that without sex, there is no same-sex attraction. So how can you have your identity as a homosexual, say, if the uh, sexual identity is not actually there, that a, a woman isn't a woman or a, a man isn't a man? And I don't expect to solve all these issues right now. In fact, I don't expect to solve any of them. But I do think that it is absolutely wrong for CBC to be in a child-focused video pushing forward a narrative and an agenda that is just plain wrong, is not age-appropriate, and more importantly, is so far from the mandate of CBC that I have no idea how this product even exists. And look, when we're talking about CBC, if they put this uh, same package out for adults... I think it would be uh, absolutely inappropriate because it is not impartial. It's not a news show. It's, it's not a news clip. It's an opinion clip. But when you're making it a news clip for children, somehow it flies under the radar and is allowed. And they, the fact that they view this as being the answer to confusion rather than the source of confusion shows that CBC is the one that is desperately faced with its own confusion. We've got to take a break when we come back. More of The Andrew Lawton Show here on True North. You're tuned in to The Andrew Lawton Show. Welcome back to The Andrew Lawton Show. I mentioned this a little bit earlier on, that your entire legacy can be eroded if you don't meet the standards of June 2020. It doesn't matter what you've said, what you've done. It doesn't even matter what you think. You can't stand up 
when the mob wants to take you down. And it's not just J.K. Rowling, it's not just Wendy Mesley, it's not just the head of CrossFit. Everyone who's ever lived on this earth right now is facing this. From Winston Churchill to Gandhi, no one is making it through. Now, the thing with Gandhi that I find interesting is that I've been critical of aspects of, of Gandhi's uh, past myself. And, and I've not done this because I want to take down a statue. I, I just think there tends to be, uh, pardon the, the phrasing here, a, a whitewashing of, of Gandhi's life. And now, despite that criticism, I'm now like having to defend Gandhi because the mob is trying to remove Gandhi, the great Indian peace activist, because he's racist. There's a, a statue of Gandhi in uh, in Leicester, England, and now uh, you have people saying that he he was uh, may have been Indian, he may have been a minority, uh, but he has well documented anti-black racism, so the statue has to go. You have Winston Churchill, whose statue actually had to be barricaded in so that it could not be destroyed. Everyone was going to take down uh, Winston Churchill. Uh, they were spray painting racist on him, and people have been uh, trying to knock it down. And, and now they're talking about removing that statue from the public square. And I, I've seen that statue uh, several times. It's in Parliament Square uh, across from Westminster Palace in the United Kingdom in London or in, in Westminster, I guess. And and now there's talk about moving Winston Churchill's statue, which, by the way, moving Winston Churchill can't be a, an easy feat, to a museum, because in a museum, it's all about context rather than celebration. And this is what they do, because this happened when we were talking in Canada about statues of prime ministers, and, and there was a, a time when no one could actually figure out what to do with Sir John A. Macdonald's statue. And, and people were saying, well, no, 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 it's, it's, it's fine to have it in a museum because that's the proper context for it. But oh, no, no, you can't have it in a public square. You can't have it in a place where people aren't going to be told uh, that he was a, a big, stinking, dirty racist. Uh, but you can do that in a museum in the same way that you can have swastikas and Nazi memorabilia in a museum because it's in context. And I get it. I get a lot of the issues with uh, the Confederate statues in the U.S. I get a lot of the issues that people have with historic figures who we find... Uh, you know, might not uh, pass the standards we set out now. But that is not what these sorts of statues are about. And I don't even want to address uh, in what I'm saying now the Confederate issues, because that's, I think, a bigger discussion and one uh, that not being an American and certainly not being from the South, I'm not uh, equipped to deal with right now. But when you're talking about people like Winston Churchill, without whom we would not have the world we live in today, you cannot say that the negatives outweigh the positives. You can say that the positives outweigh the negatives. When you're talking about people like Gandhi, there is a, a positive legacy that dwarfs the negative. When you're talking about Martin Luther King, the positive dwarfs the negative. And the fact is, the people who have done great things in not great times, by very the very nature of what they've done, lived in times where things were acceptable that aren't today. And that's the whole point of it. I mean, Winston Churchill lived in an era where anti-Semitism was acceptable because he lived in the era in which Nazi Germany exists. Now, Winston Churchill, not an anti-Semite, obviously, but I say that, that he was a product of a time when pretty bad things happened, which is why there was a, a place, which is why there was a void that needed good things to happen and why it needed good men and women to rise up and fight and stand for something. And Winston Churchill did that. So these pathetic so-called anti-fascist uh, ninnies who themselves are the fascists, 
do not have any understanding of history. They do not have any understanding of common sense. They do not have any respect for the people that paved the path that allowed them the freedom to be complete and utter wankers. And this is now flying. What we're seeing in the last couple of weeks is that these beliefs that were once fringe are now being accepted as mainstream. Taking down statues was once fringe. Now it's something to be encouraged. I remember a few years ago when Black Lives Matter was held up as being a fringe group, and now you've got police chiefs and politicians kneeling before them. Kneeling before them, this group that was derided as fringe just a few years back because they were calling for uh, an abolition of the family unit, they were calling for complete social upheaval, dismantle of capitalism, and now you've got politicians like Justin Trudeau, chiefs of police, uh, taking a knee before them, uh, and in some cases, like, looking up to them. And this is what's happening now. Never believe, that, and I don't want to call them revolutionaries, but never believe that, that a revolution is not possible because the things that we dismiss and scoff at and mock one day, uh, you know, in a year, are things that we are kneeling before and bowing before as a society. And there's a danger in this. What we are now living through is a reckoning where no one is safe from the scourge of the mob, where no statue is safe and no historic figure is safe from being redefined and as such maligned. And no one is talking about what we are building in the place of these. And I, I don't just mean what we're physically building in the place of the statues, because they would rather have an empty imprint on the ground than Winston Churchill there, despite vanquishing fascism and defeating uh, Hitler. Uh, you have a lot of these uh, people that are just wanting to destroy. They don't want to create anything. If you were to ask these Antifa activists what's next, they don't have an answer. Because they aren't actually interested in building anything. They want to destroy capitalism. They want to destroy the family. They want to destroy the statues. They want to burn the history books. They want to destroy the careers. Uh, and, and it's all under the guise of defeating racism, which, by the way, is not really what they're, they're interested in. Uh, if you want to take down systemic racism today, uh, Winston Churchill's statue is neither a literal or symbolic uh, step towards that. It's nothing. It does nothing. If you take down Winston Churchill's statue, you have not made things easier for black people. You've not made things easier for other people of color. You've not made things easier for women, for uh, gay people. You've done nothing except leave a hole in the ground. That's all you've done. And that will be the legacy of these Antifa activists. They will have left holes in the ground and nothing more, and they have never and will never create anything in their lives. Now, obviously, I am wanting to defend the legacies of Winston Churchill, and I'm wanting to defend uh, the legacies of other people. Uh, by the way, uh, I forgot to mention this earlier. Uh, there, some companies are trying to get out ahead of it, and they don't want anything to, that they're doing to be called offensive. So Nickelodeon has announced that SpongeBob SquarePants is now a member of the LGBTQ community. They tweeted, uh, we're celebrating Pride with the LGBTQ community and their allies this month and every month. Uh, then they have three photos there, and one of them is SpongeBob. So pretty soon, SpongeBob is gay was trending on Twitter. Now, again, I, I don't know how uh, an anthropomorphic uh, sponge that lives under the sea has a sexual identity at all, uh, but SpongeBob is a member of the community. So uh, clearly what's happening is companies like Nickelodeon are looking around and saying, okay, uh, we got to do something. We, we got to do something or we're going to get canceled too. Uh, who can we make gay? SpongeBob, there, done. So what's happening now is that everyone is bending the knee, metaphorically and literally, to, towards this cultural trend. 
Now, whether it's a fad or not, I don't know. And I have actually had in the last few days uh, some debates about this with people in my life where I don't think it's a fad. I think that this is going to be the new reality because we no longer are prepared to call this out. And anyone who would have is being silenced. You look at Rex Murphy, a prolific Canadian columnist, uh, says what a lot of people were telling me uh, two weeks ago, that Canada is not a systemically racist country. He wasn't saying that racism doesn't exist. He wasn't saying that we shouldn't fight racism or push back. He was just saying that it's unfair to call Canada, by and large, a, a country steeped in, racist, steeped in racism. And this did not just get him to be criticized online, which Rex Murphy can handle and, and is part of an opinion column. It's part of writing. You write something, they write something back. But it actually got a, a tremendous campaign underway from his so-called colleagues at the National Post and other Post media papers signing a letter to such a point that the company had to have a town hall, at the end of which uh, they put an editor's note on his column basically apologizing for it, apologizing, saying it didn't pass editorial standards, but they haven't uh, said what went wrong in it and what was actually objectionable about it. And then uh, this is now going to uh, greet anyone that reads this column until the end of time, a, a stamp on it that basically says, we no longer stand by our columnist. That's what Post Media is saying. And for all of, of the, the writers and reporters and columnists at Post Media that dared to say he should not have been allowed to say that, they're not just saying we disagree with that. They're saying this should not have been published. And if he were to write the same thing today, it would not be published. That's what the, po the paper has said. Now, yes, free speech does not mean you have the right to a platform. I get that, and I'm not saying that Post Media is under any legal obligation to publish this column or any other column that Rex Murphy or someone else writes. I'm talking about the cultural forces at play here. People that believe Rex should not have been allowed to write this, that no one should be allowed to read it, that no one should be allowed to look up at a statue of Winston Churchill and decide for themselves whether they like it. This is not a trend or a fad that's going to go away quickly because all of the institutions that need to exist as a backstop for this insanity are bending the knee. Newspapers that have historically stood up for freedom of the press organizations that have normally protected and preserved history, people that have normally stood up and said, no, we are, are sticking to our guns here, are all giving in. And that's why I don't think this is going to be a flash in the pan that goes away. Now, can I predict what happens next? No, but I can say it won't be pretty. And the only way to stop this, and by the way, uh, what the this is isn't fully clear right now, because this started as about being about anti-black uh, police brutality. And then it became about anti-black racism in general. And now it's about transgender rights and uh, capitalism and everything else. So this is what happens. You get people that are perennial activists that don't really need an excuse to protest, that want to seize any little weakness they can, any chink in the armor they can, so that they can penetrate through. And I am going to tell you right now that if you bend the knee, you're pretty soon going to be flat on your face. We've got to wrap things up. My thanks to all of you for tuning in. We'll be back in just a couple of days with more of Canada's most irreverent talk show. Thank you, God bless, and good day, Canada. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.